Hello, and thank you for joining us from wherever you are. This is the SBS Replay podcast from the New York University School of Professional Studies Student Council. Each podcast episode features a guest speaker from our How I Got Here lunchtime series, where we listen to the stories of our professors, alumni, and members of the community about their career, their journey, and above all, about how they got here. We are back with a fantastic lineup for this summer with amazing and inspiring stories that we cannot wait to share with you. This week, we're joined by Richard Aaron Rubin. From performing on Broadway to producing worldwide musical review shows for cruise ships and resort stages across the U.S., Richard Rubin has been professionalizing special events for the past two decades. When teaching special event management at NYU, he formed BizBash, a premier event media company dedicated to creating a marketplace for the best events and ideas in America. Richard leverages his expertise to develop new course offerings here at NYU. He is an adjunct assistant professor at the Jonathan M. Tisch Center of Hospitality. The original session was recorded on Zoom and was hosted by Sophie Ronsel. There we go. I would first like to introduce our amazing moderator for today. Um, she studied her undergrad career at, I'm going to butcher this, at Ecole Etoli Lausanne Deux, but I'm guessing she will pronounce the name correctly. Sophie Bronzil, and she'll be the moderator today. We also have an amazing guest speaker today, and he's going to share his lifetime experience for the first time. So, it's definitely going to be a great, great time, really great experience, and I'm so excited for this because I'm a hospitality uh, major. So further ado, let's introduce Sophie Bronsil and Professor Richard Aaron Rubin. Thank you very much, Stacey. Thank you, Professor, for joining us today. As Stacey mentioned, I studied hospitality and business management in, in Lausanne in Switzerland and at Ecole Hôtelière de Lausanne, but Stacey, you did good. <laughs> and now I will introduce you. So Professor Richard Rubin has had an amazing career journey that has ranged from performing on Broadway and off-Broadway stages to producing musical review shows that tour the world on global world cruise ships and then resort stages across America. He has spent over 18 years conceiving and producing over 1,000 events nationwide for who's who of corporate America, allowing Professor Richard to bring a rich knowledge into his teaching. He began his teaching career at NYU to share these skills into the then emerging field of special event management, then went on to form the premier event media company BizBash, which offers event, professionals insight, event professional insights via product rollouts, general sessions, na national trade shows, conferences, and award shows in over eight markets. BizBash is dedicated to covering the best events in America and sharing amazing ideas by creating a marketplace for events. Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Professor Richard Rubin. Thank you so much. I hope everyone can hear me okay. Can you? Good. Well, I'm so delighted to have been asked to come to this exciting event and to share my career, my story, my challenges, and I'm hoping that we can get my slideshow up on the screen because I will start when I see my first slide because I've themed it to my journey, the winding road. And everyone's life is a winding road. Mine has been with twists and turns and changes in the itinerary 
and adaptability is one of the key. So moving on to the next slide, I'm going to start my story and I'm going to take you to a poem that I would like to open with about COVID. And I'm going to read this to you because it really is the anniversary of the first year. And I wanted to start with this reflection on the moment we're going through for all of you to think about. And uh, I'm going to read it and ask you to think about it. And I'm going to read it to you now. So as I say this, think about what it means to you to hear this as we all have lived and continue to live in this COVID world. The poem is Choices by Nikki Giovanni. Since I can't go where I need to go, that I must go where the signs point. So always understanding parallel movement isn't lateral. If I can't do what I want to do, then my job is to not do what I don't want to do. It's not the same thing, but it's the best I can do. If I can't be what I want to be, my job is to be what I've got to be and be satisfied that at least there is something more to want when I can express what I really feel. I can practice feeling what I can express and none of it is equal, I know, but that's why mankind alone among the animals learns to cry. I hope that touches you in some manner and gives you solace that we need to accept what is happening. We need to rise above it. We need to know our job is to continue and to have spirit and hope and to be satisfied with the situation and move through it because it will end. And we don't want to cry because it's happiness week. I heard on TV it's happiness week. So I hope you all will have enjoyed that. So my story is, I was in college in Boston in Suffolk University, and it was a six-year program to go to Suffolk Law School, which was also a part of it, which my parents determined I should do, not me, my parents, because I was accepted to Boston University, but they were worried because there was a theater school there and they were afraid I would be diverted. So off I went to Suffolk University for the six-year program, and in the fourth year, when I was supposed to enter law school, I decided to stay the undergraduate and complete my mate, double major in psychology and sociology and found myself as the president of the drama school area. So I went and I was president of the drama club and performed in several plays. And then the next year I entered law school. In the middle of law school, I was busy and went to New York to see Hair, the musical which was playing on Broadway. And I went to see it and I had a transformative experience. There is a song in Hair called, Where Do I Go, Follow the River? Where do I go, follow my heartbeat? And anyway, that song transfixed and transformed me. I came back to law school and I went up and quit. But it, before I quit, I performed in a show in the university, a, a, some kind of talent show that they had every year. They asked me to perform. And I sang that song, and I got the biggest standing ovation I've ever seen in my life. That's when I went up and quit law school. So I was no longer in law school. My parents wanted me to see a psychiatrist. 
because they said he's, he's going out of his mind. But I was determined to be in theater. So with that determination, I applied to Brandeis University, which had the top drama school in the country at that time. Yale, Brandeis, and Carnegie Mellon were the top three schools. Brandeis was rated number one because of the number of people from Broadway teaching there and playwriting and acting, all very well-known actors that were in residence. So off I went to Brandeis and applied, and I was accepted with a full tuition scholarship and stipend. So that was the end of my parents directing my life. After two years, I got my actor's equity card by a summer stock tour of a show called Cabaret with Judy Kahn, who was on laughing a big hit tv show and i came to new york with my equity card so off i went to new york and started my attempt to be on broadway now you can change that slide because guess what class i made it to broadway i was in two broadway shows off broadway shows for eight years i did this and here's my funny story about joining equity why does professor aaron rubin have a name, Richard Aaron Rubin. Well, here's why. I went up in the Actors Equity Office to get my official Actors Equity card so that I could go to audition because many of the auditions were only for equity actors. So I'm standing on the line and I get up to the line, which had about 10 people in it, and I get up and I'm getting the process because my producer, they got me the card and put all the paperwork in. And they said, what will your official name be in equity? Richard Rubin. And I said, okay, I'll be Richard Rubin. And they said to me, sorry, there is a Richard Rubin. You cannot be Richard Rubin. So pick another name. And of course, I was not prepared to pick another name. So I'm totally bamboozled and surprised. And I'm standing there in the line trying to think, what will my name be? And I'm waiting and trying to figure it out. And the nine people behind me in the line said, Pick a name already. <laughs> so I took my middle name, Richard Aaron, and I was officially entered as Richard Aaron at Equity Screen Actors Guild, whatever. And so began my career, my auditions. And I finally made it to Broadway in Fiddler in the Roof of Zero Mostel, who was the most famous TV actor, movie actor, which was a joyous experience to play the bartender, Red Mordecai, the bartender, and I weighed 260 pounds and had a big beard, and I talked like this the whole show. But anyway, I was on Broadway, and my next show was Al Prince, the most famous director, hired me to be in the revival of Candide on Broadway. But, you know, my father, first of all, I have to back up to Fiddler. When my father and mother came to see me on Broadway in Fiddler on the Roof, my father came backstage and met Zero Mastel. And then we went out to dinner and he said to me, son, you are an actor. So after all that, surviving the law school journey and the twist in the road, I was a Broadway actor. So I continued on Broadway for about six, seven years doing shows and put together my own nightclub act because I was ambitious and I was always reaching and stretching. And I performed in all the clubs in New York City, major clubs, and put my act together. And then I kept auditioning and didn't get hired by several people. And I said, that's it. 
I'm not going to be put in the hands of anyone else. I'm going to take my club back. I got a manager and we auditioned and got booked on every major cruise line. And they even had me create other shows. And I played the Catskills, which was a huge circuit. Now you can show the next picture. If you, yep, there I am. There I am is Richard Aaron and that's entertainment, a Broadway review with a conductor. We were on the largest cruise ships in the world. I traveled to Bali, Bora Bora, Hong Kong, China, Japan, and everywhere else. I did that for three years. And then we finally, my wife and I had our first child. I was working as an entertainer, driving every night to the Catskills with these people, my performing darlings who were all wonderful. The one on the right was Miss New Jersey. The one on the left was Miss New York. They had fabulous voices. And for three years, I performed and made a lovely living until we had our first child. And my wife said, Richard, you cannot keep going off for four weeks at a time and leaving me home with the baby. So as I was performing in resorts and doing corporate events and anniversaries for IBM, this gentleman named Mallory Factor hired me, reached out since I was doing all these events he had as a corporate event person. He was the 10th the largest PR firm in the nation and was very into events. And this was back in 1980. And he said, will you come and work for me and start an event department? And I went, what's that? What, what special event? But I went on board because of my wife and my family. He made me an amazing offer. And I put together an event department and pitched America. And I spent 18 years producing some of the largest, most amazing events. I produced over a thousand events nationwide and internationally in Canada, Mexico, whatever. And a who's who of stars, Ben Midler, Beach Boys. I won't even go into it all for these corporate events, these anniversaries, these product launches, these, you know, association meetings and built some tremendous clients and relationships. And then after 18 years of producing million dollar events, all over the country. This gentleman appeared at my desk one day on the phone named David Adler. Next slide, please. And David Adler, uh, oh, well, I, I should talk very briefly about the International Live Events Association, then ISIS and MPI, which for about 10 years, I was very active in. While I was doing all these events for companies, I became the first president of the New York chapter of ISIS, then called the International Special Events Society. And they didn't like the name ISIS, which is why they changed it a few years ago to Ilea because of the connotation of terrorists. But anyway, I was the first president in New York and was thrilled to form it. I went to a meeting at Lincoln Center. And by the time I left, I had been elected president. But it was a great joy to help form ISIS and work very hard. Over a decade, I was on their international board after being president for two years in New York and forming it and getting this chapter on its feet. And the interesting thing about ISIS, it, it formed the first four chapters were kind of the way the United States was formed. It was started in Philly, then New York, then Washington, then Boston. Those were the first four chapters over four years. And then I was hosted when I became a member of the international board of ISIS, 
I hosted the board in my Mallory Factor boardroom and we put together the bylaws. They came for four days and we labored. So I'm proud to say that my company, Mallory Factor, helped launch the special event industry and society. And then a couple of years later, I got very involved with MPI, was on their international board, directed their marketing, international director of marketing, twice, and was very dedicated to that and ended up becoming the picture you see there was a proud moment where I was called the, I was I won the a title of international planner of the year, which was amazing since it was nominated by all these people and people had to write a profile and compete. And that honor is one that I'm so proud of, but I was very active in ILEA, very active in MPI while producing all the shows, but then on to the next picture which is when I get very active with BizBash. And BizBash president David Adler came and said, I've been researching you, and I think it's time for you to come and join my company as president, founding president of BizBash. And I went, what BizBash? What is that? What's it gonna do? Why would I leave my happy work at Mallory Factor? But again, here's another twist in the road. I said, you know what? He said, I'm going to be the first internet event company, media company, which will review other events and share, will allow planners to get ideas and peek over the fence of other planners and get ideas to help evolve the industry to a higher level of design and understanding. So we began in New York. We worked very hard to prove the model, hosted our first trade show, which had 2,000 people attended Javis, and we moved on to other markets. We ended up with eight markets. We ended up in San Francisco, LA, Miami, Toronto, Washington, etc. And in each market, we had conferences and trade shows, and we would go out nightly. We had editors that went out every night and scoured the city for the best events. And at this point, after about 12 years, everyone was struggling to get us to come. We were the hottest thing ever. And planners wanted their events covered. They wanted to see the coverage. And BizBash, of course, which still exists and you should all register for, it's free, and see a weekly array of events and topics and listen to podcasts, continued to grow and flourish and ended up having 2 million people attending from most countries, India, China, South Korea, I, I could not believe when we saw the stats that people were coming on to see American events and London, et cetera. And I was, you know, speaking everywhere. Everyone wanted me to come and talk about BizBash and my vision of event planning and design. So uh, BizBash became a global phenomenon in all these markets. And I was running around producing events for my own company. Very different when then when you produce events for a corporate client. This was my company to shape and to run the events the way I wanted. And I put this picture of, in of me at one of our events, our Elevate conference, because I was always about fun in creating experiences. So we always had different backdrops. This whole meeting you're seeing the picture of me was planets are superheroes. And that was the theme and all of our speakers that came that year. And 
I took a moment and took a picture and I have it ever to share, but it was all about fun and making the experience fun. So off we went for 18 years. I was there producing galas and award shows and meetings, and it was the greatest time. And it, and it gave me access to so much around the country uh, that I couldn't believe how many people and friends I made. But then we sold it and I was done and I retired myself and was done with that, but did not stop working. I was teaching at NYU since Mallory Factor. So could we change the next slide? And this is basically over all those years of being at Mallory Factor and BizBash, I became an industry speaker. And I used to throw out confetti at the beginning and say, I am a memorologist and let me demonstrate that. And I would flip my flutterfetti tube and the whole room showered down of confetti. And everyone lit up and they were so happy. And I told them that that's a memory that I created. They would always remember Rich Aaron spoke. He showered the room with confetti. Sometimes I would actually use two tubes unless I was running low. Then I would use one like here. I said, no, I do have two tubes. I can see two in that picture. And that's called Flutter Fetty. I used it for all my events. I would stage award shows and I would give it to the audience. And as the winners came through a line of the audience, they would throw this Flutter Fetty. And the simplicity of it was so wonderful. You didn't need to have, you know, fancy equipment and, and special effects. Just holding this and giving it to people to throw. So I was a memorologist creating memories. And I tried to make sure my event did the same. It is bashed for all the attendees with lots of experiences. You know, when people would come out of a general session, we had people there holding food treats and trays. We would have six hosts and hostesses and they all had like little snacks or it was always different depending upon the city. Experiential, when, when we were beginning to create experiences and events were evolving into experience design, which took over in the last five years and creating experiences and memories and transformative events became the way. I also was so pleased to be a guest uh, professor at many universities, George Washington, San Diego, and I would go out there for two days and do teaching with those people and I, those schools and those classes and meet with the faculty and share ideas. So it was a wonderful thing to do. But I want to just talk about, you know, the experience of being an event planner when I was planning events at Mallory Factor and the clients like Dell, because uh, I went to Austin for 10 years and did all Michael Dell events. And I remember the first time I got hired, I made a request which I was told I had no right to make a request when I started doing Michael Dell's events were, could I meet with him literally five minutes? No more. I want to ask him one, well, one question. Well, tell us what it is. We'll ask him. No, no, no. I, I want the courtesy. You've hired me. You trust me with a million dollars to create events for your week, your customer appreciation week. Just let me, meet with Michael Dell for five minutes. I'm, I'm begging you, please. I finally got a yes from the senior marketing manager. He said it wasn't easy, but I've arranged it. 
So I came into Dell's offices and the door opened. I went into his office and I said, Mr. Dell, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to ask you one question. And I said to him, could you share with me what you hope your clients and guests will experience when they come to the conference in Austin? And he looked at me and he said, Richard, thank you for asking me such an excellent question. All I can share with you is to say, I want them to feel at home. I want it to be relaxed. I want them to feel at home in Austin and welcome. And I said, Mr. Dell, Mr. You know, Michael, I will do everything in my power to develop an event that will do that. And he said, but I also have one thing I want to ask of you. And I said, yes, of course. What is it? He said, wherever we have this event, I want to be able to drive my car up to a back entrance and come in from the back, not the front, and mix and mingle. Because when I come in from the front, it becomes a distraction. So can you arrange that? And I said, yes, of course. So as I designed that event, I did an event which celebrated downtown and took over a street with three clubs, closed it out for two days, and made sure he had a spot under a tent, a little canopy, to pull his Maserati up in, get out, and go in, and there was someone there to deal with it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I did those events for 10 years. Because after you figure it out and you listen to your client, listen to your supervisor and really listen well, you develop the vision or envision, which is the word I like to use. Vision is a moment, but envision is kind of seeing what could be beyond just a vision. So I envisioned it. So anyway, next slide, please. So along the way, I was the founding chairman of the Special Event Foundation. I founded in 1997 with a board, and we dedicated ourselves to being the first foundation that gave care to people at that time with AIDS or cancer. And it was a, through a process that they would write to us, and they wrote to us, and we would find a way to help if they needed a car to get to chemo and be picked up in return. We did that. We would send balloon bouquets, flowers. We got it from all the members of the community. If they needed money, we had one situation where it wasn't about illness or disease, but someone's business had been wiped out in New Orleans in the flooding of Katrina. And we gave them a grant of $5,000 to move and reopen and get back on their feet. So search continues today uh, and I'm very proud of having been the one that did two years of work to get it on its feet. Uh, I, I, you know, served on several other things as well. But uh, that I was the chairman of the Green Meeting Foundation, which I also was proud of, and the ISIS Education Foundation. So I had a lot of opportunity to give back as I went along my way. Next slide, please. And of course, teaching at NYU. I am officially in my 25th year teaching. I've hosted about seven or eight panels for the school. This panel uh, was from Joe Jeff Goldblatt, the founding international president of ISIS, or ILEA now, and I invited him to come. He is the author of the Wiley event series. He has personally authored eight textbooks on events. You probably, if any of you are taking 
Diane Devitt's class, you were reading his textbook, and he did a whole bookshelf over the last 10 years of sports management, branding, marketing. So he has high, you know, reached out to the top people in the country or in the world to write books. So the event profession has a robust bookshelf. Now you have to understand when I started out at Mallory Factor, there were no associations, there were no books, nothing. Now, fast forward 25 years later or more, and the profession has a foundation and a basis in hard academic examples. So I'm reaching my 25th year at NYU this year. I've developed eight courses over those 25 years, going from the certificate into the credit college teaching undergraduates and graduates. I'm proud that I'll be launching a new class next week for graduate students on current events and ideas, which focuses event design and applying creativity. And those seven weeks of that class, I hope will be a fertile exploration of the students and ideas at the graduate level, while I'm enjoying teaching my undergraduate class this semester as well. Next slide. So I've had a few awards along the way. You see me there holding my award, not to brag, but I'm proud of the fact that I was the first member of the event side to ever win an award at the Event Industry Council, which has been giving awards for 25 years to the top people in hospitality. So they have 30 organizations that nominate people. They get it down to, to uh, five people and they award three a year. So to have been brought to that to make their hall of fame for elevating events and professionalizing the event industry. And that was my proudest moment. I think one of the proudest moments of my life, except it's in Las Vegas. My family was there with me and I was so proud that I had brought the event industry into the spotlight, which has always been either a tourism area, hotel association, or catering association, but I was the first that shined the light on events. And then the New York chapters in the last couple of years of my activity, I was uh, elevated to the Hall of Fame for the special event and elevated to the Hall of Fame for MPI for my work with them. Because at, at, at BizBash, I always actively showcased and did seminars and included them in all of our shows and made sure they had a booth, et cetera. So, very proud of those accomplishments. Next slide, please. Almost done. So I'm going to share with you, besides all that stuff, the professional world of travel and performing and running meetings and creating meetings and all that. My family is now my greatest thing that in my retirement from event planning and biz bash, my family is what counts more than anything to me. So I'm going to share them with you, please. Next slide of my beautiful wife. There we are, I hope you can see this. This past year, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. And I think we look pretty darn good. You know, considering I think of my, my parents and grandparents, they were like little old people. If they made it to 50 years now, we can be young and, and enjoying life and living life. So next slide, please. And here's what makes my life the most wonderful. My family and grandchildren, my son on the left, and his child and his other child is the big tall one in the middle. And I'm proud that my son is the 
Chief of Orthopedics at Yale University at 43 years old. And I cannot even believe he accomplished such an amazing thing in his life and his beautiful family. And my daughter, who is the young lady next to him, who lives in New Jersey, after doing social media for global organizations, she is now a consultant with her two children and husband living in Milburn, New Jersey, Short Hills. And she continues to be busier than she has ever been working from home because there is such a demand for social media. So this is my wealth and my joy. Next slide, please. Well, here's one of my sidelines. You know, once you have a kid on Broadway, you can never take the Broadway out of the guy. So this is in my summer house up in the Berkshires near Tanglewood, where we have a community and we have a hundred families and we have about 40 kids in every Labor Day. We host a big event and I become transformed into the Wizard of Beechwood. And like the Pied Piper, I lead the kids down through the lake where there is a big arts and crafts fair that I run for 12 years. And my grandchildren look forward to this. And in the evening, I make fire, but I enjoy life. I enjoy the joy of what I can create in my professional and personal life. Next slide, please. So we have just taken a journey together and I started with a poem. I'm going to end with a poem. And this is a poem for you. There's a poem about career and direction. And you're all on a path where you will start to think about what will your career be? What will your winding road be? So in closing, I'd like to read this career poem, if you'll indulge me. And here it is. Your life's path depends on your decisions. They lead you wherever, change your life forever. There's a way meant for you, not led astray. The right decisions will get you a long way. Overcome your fear, travel along, shape your career. So this poem says, it's your decision, your path, your courage that will motivate you forward. But you need that plan. Next slide, please. I think this is my last slide. So my final thoughts are, make sure envision yourself to develop a direction for your career. I always have my marketing class do this and my events class do this at the end, the last classes, because if you don't have some idea, you can't move forward. Some people in my classes know exactly what they want and some are not sure. So I say, well, you know, create a three-year plan and a five-year plan, write it up and send it to me. I'm going to comment on it. And you need to envision yourself. So I challenge each of you if you know what you're doing, even think specifically about where and what you will do within that thought. Or if not sure, throw a few ideas around. Fully enable your abilities to create a path for success. Keep working on it. Volunteer to do events. If you don't get an internship, then volunteer with companies. Go on BizBash and list all the top companies in every area. If you search, you'll find it a list in New York by city and contact them right now. Don't wait. If, if you're trying to get an internship and there are internships, it's already too late. People had internships at BizBash in December and November, but you know what? Contact them and tell them Richard Aaron 
president of BizBash once upon a time said I should contact you and say, can I volunteer for an event, even a virtual event? You know, can I be online? Whatever. So find your direction and lead toward it with positivity. So develop your life story in your future winding road. And uh, I'm so thrilled to have been able to share this. I hope you found some inspiration and know that people's lives can have twists and turns as they grow, but you need to motivate it. You know, you need to be the one that empowers your own imagination and motivate yourself, your direction, and your career. Last slide. So I thank you so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. And it was my thrill to share my personal things as well as public things, which I've never done. I'm celebrating my own 25th anniversary of New York with you and thrilled at working at NYU with you and thrilled that I could share a little bit of my personal life as well. So we can end the slideshow and open it to the group and I am, I'm all set to answer any questions. Thank you go. very, sorry. Thank you very much, Professor. It was very interesting to hear about your experience. I personally love Broadway, so it was inspiring to know that dreams do come true and that maybe someday I'll follow your footsteps. But I hope everyone joining here liked it as much as me because I thought it was very enriching and very inspirational. I think because of time, I don't know if uh, we have time for questions. I saw in the chat, Patrick had a question. Patrick asked, do you have a favorite event that you plan out of all the events you might have through the years? That is such a good question. And of course, I have to think is this during my event producer days at BizBash or when I was the owner, or was it back to when I was the person doing events uh, for other people? And for my, my events for other people, I would say one of my favorite things I ever did was a company that asked me to hire the Beach Boys but no one could know until the moment they're going to perform. So we put together a ballroom and a stage with a kabuki curtain, which is a curtain that disappears in one minute. And I was then seeing that day and I asked everybody, would anyone like to see some entertainment? And of course I got the, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, well, who do you want to see? Is there an act that everyone likes? Have you ever heard of an act called the Beach Boys? And they went, yeah, yeah. I said, would you like to see the Beach Boys? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I present the Beach Boys. And they pulled the kabuki curtain, and there were the Beach Boys, and they went and started playing. Da da, the East Coast girls are da da. So that was that. And in terms of my favorite event at this bash, at our trade shows, we always did a design lunch. And I did the Forest Seasons, and I hired four designers, and they created tables. And if there were 20, we figured out one quarter of the tables were. Um, uh, you know, different seasons, and it was absolutely spectacular to have around that ballroom spring, summer, winter, fall with lighting effects and all kinds of, uh, you know, special effects, lighting. And it was just beautiful and magic. So I think that was my favorite event I ever did. And I continued doing that. And after four seasons, the next year, I did the elements and we interpreted earth, wind, fire. So the imagination can come to life with the right team. So that's my answer for Patrick. After teaching, do you see yourself from April going back into performing? Well, I was the wizard of Beachwood, which you saw 
But no, I'm not really looking forward to performing again, I don't think. Uh, I think my performing days might be behind me, but I might have one more cabaret performance in me yet. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But for the moment, I have no plans to perform. But thank you. If I do, I'll get your email and let you know. <laughs> I perform in class. I think that's more than enough. So <laughs> thank you, Tanya. I appreciate your remarks. And thank you, Lucy, for your comments on my past. So I'm seeing, oh, my favorite Broadway show, Hair. <laughs> Give me a head of hair, long, beautiful hair. Uh, in the day it was hair, now it's Hamilton. I mean, I was blown away. I mean, seeing Hamilton was a whole story. I saw the original cast after, after they won all the Tony Awards before they disbanded. And uh, getting my ticket was an act of fate. I went there to the theater and they had people in the street making sure no one could sell tickets. And there was a line of people waiting to see if they could get to the box office and when it opened. And somehow I just walked up to the box office. Usually house seats become available at five o'clock on Broadway. So at 5.01, I just walked up and I said, are there any seats? And they said, we have one seat. It's $500, eight row center. And I said, I'll take it. And I had money and I paid. And I saw Hamilton, the original cast, and it was truly an amazing show. One of the, I hope you all get to see it on Broadway because there's magic to Broadway that can be nowhere else. And I hope it'll open soon. So I think I've answered the questions. Robin's got a question. What's your favorite you ever attended? Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, Robin, you're challenging me. That's so hard because I've been to so many events. You know, I got when I was at dispatch, I got invited to everything. I would be exhausted. I could be out five nights a week, you know, because everyone wanted us to cover it. And only our editors make those decisions. But of course, I had influence. What was my favorite event I attended? I don't know. I mean, that's such a hard one. Probably my own award show in Las Vegas by the Event Industry Council. We each had an area in a nightclub in the one of the hotels there one of the gorgeous new brand new hotels and we each had an area in a banquette so my entire family was there no grandkids just my wife and my kids and they brought us food and wine and then we had our award show and they had entertainment geared to us and they did a whole thing on broadway for me so i would say receiving my hall of fame award from the event industry council is my favorite so I guess that would be, I answered a couple of questions back to our moderators and letting them make decisions on where we head from here. Great to hear your experience. I'm sure many people are happy to hear your inputs on where to go when Broadway opens. I know I'll be uh, taking a look at Broadway when it's safe to do so. But thank you very much once again for your time and for sharing this inspiring experience with us. Well, thank you. And I hope I'll see you all in one of my classes, the marketing and event classes in the fall. And then I have in the spring, the event design and production, which I think is an essential class for anyone going into events, or even if you're not, if you're going to be in some aspect of it, just to see how it's all put together and understand all the pieces of lighting, sound, hiring talent, et cetera. So hopefully I'll see some of you next semester in a class. So thank you to the organization for giving me a chance to share. And I hope I inspired you 
and motivated you to work on your careers and your volunteering and all the rest. Thank you to Professor Richard Aaron Rubin. Join us next week for the season finale as we hear from Jamal Hill, a Los Angeles-based educator and community leader with over 10 years of experience in aquatics and a member of Team USA Paralympics Women. The SBS Replay Podcast is produced by the students of the NYU SBS Student Council with Ali Weaver, April Cardena, Ariana Olivas, Catalina Mejia, Christine Long, Evelyn Tai, Jay Chandiramani, Jessica Blodgett, Jesse Kim, Justin Choi, Maya Kwok, Sam Fox, Sanjana Penmatsa, Ding. Wing. Special thanks to the NYU SBS Office of Student Life. Follow us on social media at SBSUSC and at SBSGSC on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. Thank you for listening and for supporting us. Stay safe, take care, and have a wonderful summer. <laughs>